Hi, everyone. Welcome to Drinking from the Firehose, a podcast for school leaders. I'm your host, Ellen Willoughby. Being a campus leader can feel like you're drinking from a fire hose with all the information, requests, tasks, and duties that are thrown your way on a daily basis. So how do you manage to do it all and help students grow? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today. Hello, Joellen. I'm excited to get to have you on the podcast today. Thank Um, you. I'm excited to be here. Great. Yes, we have so much exciting stuff to talk about. So what I would love for you to tell me a little bit about is tell me what is your definition of self-care, what it is, and what it isn't. Okay. So my definition of self-care is any activity that we do deliberately in order to take care of our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health whatever that means for you, whatever that looks like for you, when we're deliberately taking care of all the aspects that make us who we are. And then as far as what self-care isn't, um, I think self-care isn't, it's the opposite of that. When we aren't deliberately taking care of, when we get too busy um, and overwhelmed, that's often the first thing that goes. And one of the things that I find really interesting is self-care has become like a really big, important piece of life in general, um, especially during COVID times. So I would love to hear a little bit about how would self-care be different now, now that we're in the middle of a pandemic than it might have been, you know, 10 months ago. Yeah, you bet. And I love that question because um, just like everything looks different now. Self-care is definitely a part of that. And for me, 10 months ago, self-care may have looked like um, going and picking up my favorite cup of coffee from my local coffee shop while my husband had our kids and enjoying some quiet time reading a book and and just listening without interacting with other people to the buzz around me in the coffee shop. And now um, how I've learned to transition that self because I am, um, I call myself a highly functioning introvert. Nice. Uh, I totally relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) I need that alone time to recharge. So now that version of self-care in pandemic times looks like me maybe waking up 30 minutes earlier on a Saturday to have my hot cup of coffee, enjoy a book that I'm reading without um, my family buzzing all around me. So I think that's it's maybe a silly, lighthearted example, but I think that's an example of how even during pandemic times, we can still be practicing self-care. Yeah, and I don't think it's silly or simple at all. I mean, I think that that's kind of, I think a lot of times we think of self-care as like this really big, like I need to go to the spa or I need to, you know, take a a staycation or those kinds of things. So I love that you gave like that really tangible, easy to implement um, example. So absolutely love that. And I think on the other end of the spectrum as well um, are, I I am also a social introvert, yet I live alone. And so Mm -hmm. it's one of those things too of like looking at, instead of just falling into the rut of like, okay, I'm just home. I have all this time. I'm just going to keep working. Taking that break and doing something that is is valuable yes. to me. Yes. Um, I think that's been a huge struggle uh, for many people, especially educators. When, when we did have to go remote in the spring, 
Um, it was super, and I'll, I'll speak from my first-hand experience. I was on a campus in the spring, and it was super easy um, to pick my computer back up in the evenings and keep chipping away at master schedule stuff or figuring out, okay, what else can I get off of my to-do list without taking time to pause Um, and maybe practice what I like to call boring Mm self-care. So boring self-care can, you mentioned going to the spa earlier. Um, Self-care isn't always about like the stuff, you know, the facials or the massages or the this or the that, right? Um, Boring self-care can look like getting our bills paid on time, all the mental stuff that takes up our mental energy, the list that we keep in our head, mm-hmm. getting some of those checked off is still a form of self-care because you're taking good care of your mental well-being and freeing up that space in your head. Oh, wow. I've, I've really never thought of it that way, but it totally makes sense because that alleviates stress, um, and it just makes you feel good to have that thing checked off your to-do list. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So before we dive into a few more questions, I want to share a yeah. little bit with our listeners about why you are such a perfect person to be our guest <laughs> on this topic on the podcast. So for all of you to know that Joellen, she has 13 plus years of experience in education. She's been a teacher, a counselor, a consultant, and a director of multiple programs that have served children and adults. She's also a mental health liaison between Region 13 and the local mental health authorities. She's also a licensed professional counselor, and she holds a professional school counseling certification. She is also a TBRI practitioner, and she is a firm believer in working hard and resting hard. So this is why she is the perfect guest for this episode. So I would love to hear from you to tell me a little bit about why is it so hard to prioritize self-care? So I thought a lot about that question, and um. For me, and again, this is just my, my personal view, yeah. I really feel like it's hard to prioritize self-care because our culture overall is a very um, drive-through culture, Yes, and everything, we need it fast, and we need it now, and that can oftentimes, not always, but it can oftentimes extend into the workplace environment. Um, thinking about being on a campus when I was on a campus as school counselor or director of counseling, uh, there's always emergencies that pop up. There's right. always crises, right? Especially as educational leaders, we know this. We've suffered daily lives. And so when we're dealing with emergency after emergency, taking care of ourselves can often be one of the first things that gets off of our plate because we're so focused. Um, I firmly believe education is a service industry. We're serving students. We're serving parents as educational leaders. We're serving our staff. Right. We're serving our community. And so when you're in a service industry, it's even more important to be taking care of yourself. But when we have that service mindset and then also the busyness that can come along with our culture as a whole, um, that's when we start to see a breakdown in prioritizing self-care. Before we get back to the show, we wanted to ask for your help in reaching campus and district leaders. If you like what you hear in this episode, hop on over to whatever platform you use and give us a rating and review. It really helps people find our podcast and lets us know what we're doing right and also what we can improve upon. 
And of course, don't forget to mention us to your colleagues. Thanks. Now let's get back to the show. And I think that whole busyness, like we, we as a society have, we look at being busy as being productive or yeah. working hard, um, where now, you know, all the research is showing us, no, that that's not it. Like, right. you know, you have to fill your tank to be able to be effective. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and then especially in education, because like you said, it is a service industry and it's mm-hmm. a service industry that's even that much more connected to the service and who we are providing the service for, I would think. So thank I you. Love that you. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, you you brought up that um, busyness can often equal productivity. Um, I think I would link back to my answer about what self care isn't, and that mindset that if I'm being busy, I'm being productive. Right. To me, that's what self care isn't. Right. Um, Definitely. Because there's the more that you can prioritize good rest, that frees up your brain to be more creative when you need it to be creative or think quicker in a crisis situation when you need it to think quicker. So sometimes self-care can look like resting, being still, napping. Yes, I love a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> and I think too, our society is kind of the fear of missing out. We have FOMO. And yeah. so in that we, you know, you'll, you'll hear things like, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, but it's like, well, actually yes. if you don't sleep now, you might be saying that a little sooner than you would want to. You might get there faster than you think. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. thinking about it, um, why is it important that leaders are practicing self-care? Mm-hmm. As a leader, you you cannot help anybody. You cannot serve anybody if you're running on empty. And the analogy of a gas tank is really powerful to me. Are yes. you full? Are you three quarters full, half full? Where are you at right now? Is the red light uh, on you're and you're on trying empty, to get 10 more miles in? Right? <laughs> Running on fumes. Yes. <laughs> fumes. Um, which, especially for right now, you know, in December, a lot of us are on fumes. We're headed into winter break where we know we can recharge, so we're trying to push through, right? Yeah. Um, so I think you're not going to, well, not think, I know. You cannot be an effective leader if you're not pouring back into yourself as much as you pour into others. Got it. And I know a lot of leaders, when we do have a break come up, they end up getting sick. They just automatically, their immune systems just catch up with them and and shout really loud that you've overdone it. (laughs) Can I share a personal story about that? Of course, please do. Okay. So I'm actually a third generation educator. Um, so my dad is getting ready to retire this school year oh, wow. from being an administrator in Florida where I grew up. Yep. Um, and so I remember as a kid, literally every Thanksgiving break, every winter break, and every spring break, that first weekend, he would be sick as a dog. Oh, and no. it would start like that Thursday or Friday right. heading into the break. And we just knew, especially on winter break, like don't plan any holiday travel plans until Monday or Tuesday when you're when he's feeling oh, wow. better. Um, he's gotten so much better about it. Again, as he's gotten older and wiser, I believe, and he shared with me um, that that's the case. But gosh, you're so right that we just run ourselves down. And when our stress is high, our immune system is low. 
And so to be practicing mindfulness and self-care to bring that stress level down is only going to help our immune system. And, you know, especially in the pandemic, we need all the strong immunity we can have right now. Most definitely. And I think we kind of started talking about this, but like, we know that what it, what's at stake is is our ability to help others, number one, and then our ability to stay well if we're not prioritizing. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on on that? Yeah. So if I were to um, think through like the components of wellness, right? It's mental, it's physical, it's emotional. And um, I add in spiritual. Not everybody does, um, but for for me, I do, and so. When we're not practicing self-care, each of those four components of wellness start to take a hit. So we don't have as much, when we aren't practicing self-care and wellness, we don't have as much patience that we need to be responding from a place of empathy versus, you know, reacting and just giving our short answer. Um, Our health, our overall health goes down, um, relationships start to suffer. Um, I'm thankful that I have a super gracious and understanding family that when I was on a campus, uh, we always knew, hey, we're going to be picking out some, like picking up meals because mom is not going to have time to cook this week leading up to a break. Right. Most definitely. <laughs> Things like that. So talk talk a little bit about the, the four areas that you've talked about and um, kind of what self-care looks like in each of them. Sure. So for me, mental mental self-care is a lot of what I talked about with the boring self-care. Okay. It's getting those to-do things checked off my list. Um, it's making sure, okay, I've got, you know, holiday party outfits laid out for the kids the night before. It's making sure if I'm presenting um, at least the day before I've got my ducks in a row and know that I can have an inter- uninterrupted time and space, things like that. Um, physical self-care for me looks like getting outside away from screens every day Yes, getting some vitamin D with the sun it looks like going on walks around our neighborhood either with my family or without my family oftentimes without my family during the day because that's what um, again recharges me personally physical well-being also looks like that boring self-care of making doctor's appointments and keeping them, mm. getting your yearly physical done, things like that. And um, emotional self-care, that's where I really draw on my uh, the practice of mindfulness, of trying to take that moment of if something doesn't sit well with me, to sit with it for a second and figure out, okay, where's my reaction coming from? Where's my response coming from? Um, that felt prickly to me. Is it me being prickly? Is it the other person? Um, I need to draw on my empathy. It's maybe they're having a little bit of a prickly day. Okay. Um, it emotional also looks like um, for me. I look outward a lot of figuring out who can I help, who can I serve, because that fills my emotional well well tank also. Um, And then spiritual, I think that's really depending on each person. Um, I know a lot of people have meditation practices. Um, Some people go to church and prayer. Um, I really love yoga and meditating, quiet time, um, 
whatever faith you may or may not practice can play a part there. But I think also just realizing um, connecting with other people is a spiritual practice too. And realizing you're not alone and reaching out. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at, we shared, you shared a lot of great information about leaders. How do leaders model self-care for their teachers? That's such a great question. I was privileged to be under a really awesome principal who modeled that for me. And so I'm going to draw on my experience with her great. to say that she encouraged us to do things like not have school email on our phones as a boundary. Um, if we did choose that, please don't respond after five o'clock. Like if an email comes in, it can wait till the next day. Okay. If there's an emergency, trust that I'm going to call you or text you. Um, so I feel like leaders can model self-care for the people that they lead by putting into some of, putting in those practices themselves. Um, I think it's also setting healthy boundaries around work hours and trying not to be on campus 24-7 or online um, what feels like 24-7. Definitely. Um, I think being transparent and saying what you're struggling with. Um, hey, I'm really struggling to balance taking care of myself right now. I'm aware of it. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my plan for how to move forward. Um, that builds empathy too, because gosh, uh, what person, especially an educator, like wouldn't be like, wow, I'm struggling with that too. Or, Hey, I was doing that last night and then I tried this. Maybe this could help you. You know, we're as educators, we're that over. Cause that was like, blah, blah, blah. um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that you shared that your principal modeled that for you, because I think a lot of times we talk about like, Oh, you know, practice self-care, but we don't show people how mm -hmm. to do it. Or we say things mm -hmm. like, you know, take your email off your phone, don't answer emails after five o'clock, but then we send 50 emails at 10 o'clock at night to people. Yes. And that kind of makes the, the boundary not be super solid. Because I know for me, if my principal said, don't check email after five o'clock, and then I had 15 emails when I woke up at six in the morning right? that I yep. would feel like, is this really a real boundary? So I love that she not only yeah. talked about it, but she actually implemented it mm -hmm. for herself. And I think too, the okay. other thing to shine a light on that you shared is just leaders are humans. Like we're going to, yeah. leaders are going to struggle with all the same things teachers do. I mean, there's not like when you become a leader, this downloads in your brain, like I've got all this transparency and that vulnerability and having that transparency and that vulnerability with your teachers really goes a long way. Yes. Um, the vulnerability piece is just huge with this. Um, it takes bravery and courage yes. in order to be vulnerable. You can't have one without the other, just like trust trust builds vulnerability, you can be vulnerable with people you trust. And so I think all of that, when we're looking at self-care as a whole, all of that works together for leaders to really, um, I hope, be empowered to model self-care because you're building trust with 
your staff. Right. You're building vulnerability and all of that's going to lead to a healthier culture. Which, most definitely. Gosh, what leader wouldn't want that? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I was, I was kind of hearing some Brene Brown type lingo in there. Oh, yeah. so like Dare to Lead <laughs> was a, is a great book. Um, just a little yeah. plug for her, even, you know, not getting paid for uh-huh. this, but, you know, just a great book on leadership. <laughs> and, and like you said, you know, that having that you have to have vulnerability to have trust. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Sure. So are there any um, resources that you recommend or tools that you would recommend for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the one, one of the tools that I use a lot in my own self care is the Headspace app. Yeah. Um, it's a meditation app, but it's so much more than that. I use it for the mindfulness component. Okay. Um, the more the more that I am studying and learning about mindfulness, the more convinced I am of its importance in our lives to practice self-care regularly. Um, when I can feel myself starting to get what I call kind of crispy and edgy. Uh-huh. I love that crispy. <laughs> Maybe a little bit crispy of compassion. crunchy. <laughs> yes, crispy. Yes, crunchy. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, maybe a little bit of compassion fatigue creeping in. Yes. Um, th- that's that mindfulness. And I've learned to to practice mindfulness through. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So Headspace is an app. You can log into it through your phone, through your computer. They have it free, I think, for 14 days. And then after that, it's, it's $5 a month. Oh, nice. Uh, so for me, that's like giving up, you know. A coffee run <laughs> and I'm good yes. <laughs> um, but it, it helps you be less stressed and more resilient and that's the other piece of self-care and emotional well-being that I think is really important is building your resiliency especially right now as we're living through a pandemic gosh we need to be resilient more than ever and so I learn a lot of my resiliency tools through that app and practicing mindfulness um, it's just Headspace.com is the website. And so a question, two questions, actually. If you'll explain to our listeners, what is mindfulness? Because I know you talked about meditation okay. and mindfulness. And a lot of times I know mm-hmm. in my brain, I get those two mixed up. So would you share a little bit yeah. about, about what mindfulness sure. is? Sure. So mindfulness is it's literally being aware of what's going on within your, within your mind, within your body. So think about that feeling that you got maybe before you had to have a hard conversation with someone on your campus or uh, for you, Ellen, if you had this great idea that you were excited to pitch to your supervisor, um, if the butter mindfulness is recognizing the butterflies that you might have in your stomach Mm -hmm. um, before that conversation or the tenseness in your neck. And as you're noticing that tenseness or the butterflies, you sit with that for a minute. You recognize it. Like, okay, I'm feeling tense in my neck. I have these butterflies in my stomach. What's going? What's going on? And then that helps me realize, okay, I'm headed into this this challenging conversation. I need to take some deep breaths so that I'm calm. I'm more grounded before having to go in and have that conversation. Or for for the example with you. Maybe if you are excited, so maybe you still need to just get a deep breath in. <laughs> get centered so I'm not like get looking like I'm a maniac because I'm so excited about yes. this. 
<laughs> you got it. Exactly. Awesome. So that's mindfulness is just simply being aware of what's going on in your body and what emotions are connected to the physical responses. Okay. And then I thought it was so interesting and I, I'm, I'm totally going to sign up for Headspace because learning resiliency I think a lot of times we don't think about that as something we need to learn intentionally. We kind of look at it as I have just survived and been resilient. So um, tell me a little bit about kind of what that looks like to, to, to practice that. Yeah. Um, So resilience is, it's really some skills that you can learn and develop within yourself, but it it starts with self-compassion. And the self-compassion is talking to ourselves like we would a friend. Mm. We would never tell one of our best friends when they make a mistake, oh my word, you're such an idiot. Right? How could you have done that? But yet, how often do we have that soundtrack playing in our head when we've messed up? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So resiliency in my opinion, starts with recognizing this is really hard. Whatever the situation you're in right now, this is a hard situation. Yeah. You can do hard things, though. Remember when X, Y, and Z happened and you got through that. Remember how you handled A, B, and C? Let's think through and draw on those strengths. So it's switching that internal dialogue from being our inner critic right. to being um, constructive and pointing out our strength. Nice. I love that. Yeah, because that voice inside our heads and especially, you know, I'm, I'm a former campus leader as well. And just the you, we beat ourselves up like on oh the regular um, <laughs> and teachers yeah. as well. You know, people in edu- mm-hmm. most people do it anyway, not even in education. Right. So that's a great additional tool. Any other tools that you have in your tool bag that you want to share? Yes. So along the same um, self-compassion line of thinking, um, Dr. Kristen Neff, she's a researcher at UT Austin. You may be familiar with her. She's similar in the lane of Brene Brown. Um, They work a lot together. Uh Um, Her website has so many tools. It's self-compassion.org. Okay. And we'll put these web it's, links in the show notes as well. Perfect. So it's full of resources and it's full of um, some guided exercises. And that would be good to do. Um, I know I took the last campus that I was on, I actually took our staff and faculty meetings. They're short. Some of them are super short, like three to five minutes long. Oh, nice. So we had been learning about self-compassion um, along with some of the Dare to Lead work as well. Uh-huh. And so we, we did a couple of these exercises in faculty meetings. And it was just such a good reminder. Again, we were really working on building a culture of empathy within ourselves, within our staff, and then in our classrooms. Nice. Um, and so her, yeah, Dr. Ness's work is if we're if we're looking at whole person self care, uh, those are the two headspace and uh, self compassion with Dr. Ness are like my top two resources that I recommend to people. That's great, and and it sounds like that they're resources that they're really easy to access, don't mm-hmm. take a lot of time, but really have a high impact. So I think that yes. that is what leaders are looking for because, you know, time is is 
of the essence at all times. So yes. great. Thank Absolutely. you for that. Any yeah. other things you want to share about um, self-care before I roll into our seven short answer questions? So if you are wondering like, well, how do I know if I need more self-care? Um, the fact that you're asking that question is probably a good sign that you might. Um, but if you're anything like me, I, I love my data and I love my science and my facts. And so um, one tool that I would love to leave with your audience is called the ProQual Survey. Um, it's Pro-Q-O-L, Quality of Life Survey. Nice. It's a short 10-question survey okay. that uh, gives you a gauge on where you're at with compassion fatigue, burnout, or you're doing okay. When I was a beginning school counselor, our director of counseling had us do this as a group at the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, and the end of the year. And it was super powerful because we did it in August, uh-huh. January, and we just came back from a break. Oh, wow. And then in May, right before the summer. Um, and it was just so enlightening. And it really was a good kind of self-check for us um, as leaders on campuses. hmm where okay I'm feeling a little crunchy burnout coming on so I need to up my self-care um if I've got too much mental to-do list going on I know I need to prioritize that so that I think gives data to something that can be feel kind of like spaghetti on a wall sometimes We have been talking to Joellen Goldsberry a mental health liaison about ways for teachers and leaders to practice self-care please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen on. Thanks.